In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. The NBA playoffs are here. Don't miss the big storylines that you can find every day on the Locked On NBA Podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right. Let's talk about this Hornets team, which, of course, didn't quite make it into the NBA playoffs, fell in the play-in game scenario against the Indiana Pacers, but wasn't though the season wasn't a success because they just got killed down the stretch with injuries, as a lot of teams did, but they lost some pretty big players for big chunks of time, and that's caused them to go into a bit of a tailspin. Let's look at how this team ended up going. 33-39 and 39 for Charlotte. That's about right where their expected win-loss was. They were 22nd in offensive rating, 18th for defense. They had a pace of 20th, which I think can probably pick up in the future. Um, At this point, they've got the 11th pick in the draft. Now, a very, very low chance, like 8% chance of moving into the top four. They're likely going to end up with this 11th pick. A 78% chance they end up with pick number 11. And they have two very late seconds, 56 and 57. So not the greatest spot there. They're sort of in that consistent Charlotte Hornets area of just sort of middling around that area. Of course, last year was great to get that pick with that They did get it pick number three and also have the best player in the draft fall down to them at number three. Quite a bit uh, of luck going their way there, but you know, they need to be able to build on that now. And let's look at what they have going on for free agency. Some big decisions here. Devontae Graham and Malik Monk are both restricted free agents. Monk, a guy who was picked in that 11 area a couple of years ago, hasn't really lived up to expectations. Graham, a second round pick who blew up in 1920, and then really regressed this year. His offers will definitely be coming down in terms of um, the amount that he would have got if we had assumed he was a free agent last offseason, for example. That'll be coming down. Whether they, they don't really have a huge need for Devontae Graham, I don't think. So I think there's a big chance that they just lay and lowball him or they just won't match if another team... Th- he's, he's one of the most gettable restricted free agents out there, I think. Maybe sign and trade, who knows? And then they, they have two centers who are unrestricted. Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. Highly doubt Biombo's back. I think Zeller is back because he just feels like a Charlotte Hornet player. They were just always, he's like their Nick Collison, basically. A guy that's going to be around there, do the dirty work, play low minutes, do what needs to be done, but doesn't preclude them from upgrading that position. So I think he returns. And then Brad Wanamaker, who they got in a trade with the Warriors for basically nothing. And he provided some good value, especially when LaMelo Ball went down. He's an unrestricted free agent. They've got some other guys who are free agents as well. Uh, Nate Darling and Grant Rilla are restricted guys. We didn't get to see anything of them this year. The Martin twins are both non-guaranteed, as is Jalen McDaniels for this season. Um, I imagine they could guarantee those deals. They're obviously inexpensive at $1.7 million, but they are non-guaranteed for this coming season. All right, let's have a look. Now, at the first player we're going to take a look at, and that is Terry Rogier, who was really, really impressive this season. 69 games. Giggity. Almost 35 minutes a game. Averaged 35 fantasy points, which was good for 60th. But in category leagues, he was even better. He was 50th. 
and that ADP was 123. I was way out on Terry Rozier this year because I was looking at it and going, well, based on what happened last year, Graham and Ball will be the guys to get the bulk of those minutes and Rozier will play a limited role. And I was wrong. He was unbelievable. Now, Rozier averaged 20 points per game. He played the same minutes as last year, but he was able to improve in a number of different areas. He hit more threes. He was able to hit a higher percentage of his shots. His field goal percentage went up. Um, but it's more importantly, that usage, which I thought would go down, went from 23 to 25, and that was able to boost his scoring up quite a bit. Now, he was the 67th ranked player last year. I just didn't expect him to play 34 minutes a night again and for him to be as good as he was at times. Now, he did fall off quite a bit. He was shooting like 47% from the field for big chunks of this season, but over the last two months, he was down to 41%. So things started to normalize. So when we look at that 45% shooting from Rogier this season, I wouldn't expect that to be real as we move forward. I think he was shooting at a level which was insane, and it did start to fall off. He was also a guy that his last two years, negative 2.4 EPM, negative 1.8, bad numbers. This year, plus two, so really turned things around. His mid-range shooting went from never been a 40% mid-range guy, went to 46, so there's a massive red flag as to where the value goes from here on out. Also finished at the rim at a number which we've never seen from him before, 57%, up from a career high of 53 two years ago. Assist numbers dropped, which makes sense, just basically not playing point guard at all. There is, again, I have some concern as to where he sits because some of that shooting was, I don't think, entirely repeatable for another year. Defensively, he still has his struggles. I would not be buying Rogier at number 50, which is where he ended up. Would I buy him in the top 70? I'll have to wait and see what happens. But I have some level of concern as for him repeating this uh, level of production. I, I just don't think it's going to be going to be the case of, what, of how he goes from here on out. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? That's an astonishing number. Is it really that surprising? Well, it is to me. The game is rigged against you. You are playing against thousands of other lineups and not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. Well, if you listen to this podcast, you've got a little bit of an edge, let's be honest. Um, introducing Stat Hero. It is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house. That's almost like a blackjack type of thing. Uh, in a head-to-head fantasy matchup, you name the stakes, winner take all, you have that advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. So you can get in there, you see their lineup, and you go, well, what do I need to do to beat this lineup? Throw it out there and see how you go. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it is meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now, change the odds. So go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's a big number. That is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Nine delicious flavors, but it's not just about deliciousness. Now, that's that's key, obviously, but these bars are healthy as well. They can be the treat that you are looking for that tastes like a candy bar, but it's not going to just uh, affect the old uh, number on the scales over there. If you're working out, getting that protein in is super important. Pick a flavor you like, or if you don't know, pick a mixed box. 18 bars, two of each flavor, that's nine flavors. And they also throw in the occasional limited time flavor in their range as well. So check that out. Most of these bars... 17 grams of protein with 130 calories and just 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Okay. Gordy Haywood. Big year for Gordon. He was the 52nd ranked player this year. 56th in points leagues, averaging 35 points per game. He played 34 minutes, 44 games. 57 ADP. That ADP was much higher to begin the year as well. That really came down. He was a very, very strong value pick around this time. But then sprained his foot and the rest of his season was done. That is the concern with Haywood, who is 31 years of age now. Consistent injuries. He's got three more years. $90 million guaranteed. It's going to take him through to age 34. That's a worry. But there's no denying that having Haywood here pushed this team to be a playoff team. Losing him and Ball made them not be a playoff team in the end. Um, I thought Gordon Haywood was, again, really impressive this season, and you beat his ADP. There is a chance, well, not a chance, almost a, a guarantee that next season he will see his um, ADP slide again because of the injury concern. Now, what we did see is expectedly an increase in usage from 21 to 24, but that came with a decrease in true shooting from 60 down to 58. That's to be expected. The one thing that he did do, which really did help his value, was steals going from 0.7 to 1.2. He had not been at that number since the 15-16 season in Utah. So let's see whether that number can stick. He also got to the line more at 84%. That's a big bonus there too. And the scoring was super impressive. His EPM was a big positive, 1.2. He was really good. His Raptor was pretty solid as well. His LeBron was up there as well. Fourth on the team, negative 0.33. That's not the greatest number. Um, but I just thought that he was solid. And he's going to be that guy you pick in like the 70s probably. You wouldn't want to pick him in the 50s or 60s just because we have to worry about injuries. That's just 96 games played the last two years. We have to worry about how his body holds up. And at age 31, there's absolute concern there. But I think he's just a rock-solid player right across the board. And you have to be happy with what he was able to do. The contract's still too high, but the, if he had have stayed healthy, which again is a huge if, they would have pushed into the playoffs and it would have been worth it, I think. And having him out there does provide protection to guys like Bridges, who had an increased or a much better season, PJ Washington, Lamelo Ball, even Rogier, I think, benefited from the fact that Gordon Haywood was around and was taking so much of the offensive attention. It's just a competent basketball player, a very good competent basketball player, which is huge for a team that struggled in that position a lot over the course of their... Yeah, time in Charlotte. Let's look at the next guy. This is where a lot of the questions are going to arise. Lamelo Ball. 51 games, only 29 minutes a game. So there's your number one thing, how he improves next year. 29 minutes a game. He averaged 35 fantasy points, and he's the rare player that was ranked exactly the same in category leagues and points leagues, 57th and 57th. His ADP was 97. Big steal there. I took him around the 70s, so got some value. His best category was his steals at 1.6. He also averaged 16, 6, and 6 with almost two threes. He wasn't a particularly good shooter, a true shooting of 54%, but 44 and 76 aren't complete killers in terms of those numbers. And we do expect him to be able to improve as we move forward. He was 60th percentile for EPM. Not a bad number. 25 usage as a rookie. I expect that to go up. His finishing in the room was horrendous, 51%. That is a really, really bad number. 11th percentile. Hit his threes okay, free throws all right. Rebounded pretty well. Assists were sky high. Assists were, uh, steals were good. Blocks were good. He's got the potential to be a top 20 player. So how does that happen? I don't think it's that tough to see how that happens, to be honest. We look at what he did and go, well, there's 29 minutes. Tack six extra onto that. Yeah, Rogier and Hayward are playing 35 apiece. Ball should be two. So let's go 35 minutes. He averaged 16 points already on a true shooting of 54. 
Now, his 26 usage, can that come higher? Eh, maybe not. doesn't have to, though. But let's say his true shooting goes to 57, 56. I think that's possible. So he averages 18 points, 2.5 threes, 6.7 boards, 7.2 assists, one point, let's say 1.5, 1.6 steal stays, 0.5 blocks, goes 45 from the field, 78 from the line. He's your top 20 right there. Would I draft him in the top 20? Probably not. Would I do it in the top 40? I think I would. Yes, that's a 17-spot increase from this year. But give me the six minutes and do everything else the same. Six minutes extra. Maybe it's five minutes extra. And you're there already. I feel really confident about what Lamelo is going to bring as we move forward. In a dynasty league, he should be viewed as a top 15 asset, I think. Again, you can hit top 20 in year two. That doesn't. That means top 10 is not out of reach. The top 10 is absolutely not out of reach for Lamelo Ball in the next five years. He is not 20 years old yet. So there is a ton of growth still to come. He's nowhere near his ceiling. Again, 16 points. This guy can easily get to 20 points in his career. Easily. He is not his brother. He is a much higher usage player who still generates rebounds, assists, and steals. Hits threes. The shooting's not horrendous. There's still quite a bit of value in what LaMelo Ball can bring. Um, and I, was, I, was, I, I had him as the number one player in every single mock draft that I did. To me, he was the clear best prospect. But he absolutely... Yeah, exceeded every one of my expectations. I didn't think he'd be this good straight away. He was, what, fifth on this team, sixth on this team in his LeBron. He was fifth on this team in Raptor at a plus 0.3, which for a rookie is pretty hard to do. Again, an EPM of 0.4 is 60th percentile. Hard to do as a rookie. And the number one outlier here, 51% at the rim. Like, get that to 57. And it's a problem. He does have some issues with contact and finishing. And that was the case in Illawarra as well. But there is the number one thing that can increase along with the minutes. So I'm pretty, you feel pretty good about where Lamelo sits as we move forward. Let's go to the next bloke, PJ Washington Jr. 64 games, 31 minutes. Well, there we go again. 30 minutes only, 30 and a half minutes. That could bump to 33 very easily. So there's value already. 29 fantasy points, 90th, 79th in category leagues at an ADP of 121. He is wildly inconsistent. Now Washington's 22. About to turn 23. So not particularly old, but not necessarily young for a second-year guy. Um, but he took big steps forward. I do believe that his best fantasy numbers come when he plays at center. But I also believe that the Hornets are going to be looking to get bring another center in. So we're going to have him play um, as a power forward majority of the time. But he'll get 32 minutes or so. Again, he was a yeah, negative 0.3 EPM, about the same impact there as Lamelo, his LeBron was about the same as Lamelo. His um, Raptor was significantly worse because of some of his poor shooting. Negative 2.2 offensive Raptors bad. Negative 1.7 overalls pretty poor. But I did think that as the season went on as well, he started to show some big improvement. Let's talk about what he actually averaged because I haven't done that yet. Washington averaged 13, six and a half with two and a half assists over a steal, 1.2 blocks, 1.8 threes. The outlier here, or the thing that we need to look at here is 44% shooting. As a center slash power forward, that's bad. Finishing at the rim at 54% is atrocious. And for his position, that's 19th percentile. It was equally bad last year. He hit his threes fine. And his mid-ranges fell to a horrible number. But as a center, he just needs to fit, hit his, um, he needs to finish better. He needs to be 60 plus. As a center, you need to be a 60% finisher. 
Blocking, great. Steals, great. Passing, improved. Rebounding, okay, not great, but solid enough. When I look at what PJ did, um, yeah, I, I, think he's, I think he's going to remain inconsistent. Is he a key piece? Is he a core player that you want to rely upon? I'm not I'm not convinced about that, but there's definitely enough there. Um, yeah, top 50 upside, yeah, yep. Higher than that, probably not. Um, but yeah, the minutes with him, Haywood, Bridges, that's uh, yeah, free agent center for Sean Holmes. We know that's a great option for them. How that all fits um, still remains to be seen. But I think more minutes come. I think more consistency in his shooting comes. And that leads him to probably crack at least top 60 next season, uh, maybe even higher. Pretty excited to see where, where he goes. And I'm seeing if he can bring us or bring the Hornets along with these guys into the playoffs. So today, for Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is right there across the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Let's talk about Miles Bridges, who was in a huge, huge position last season to have a big breakout. Going to be the starter, players leaving, put into this big role. Walk, you know, Kemba's gone, Bridges are going to have to step up, and he shit the bed. This year, he moved to a bench role behind Haywood, behind Washington. He played 29 minutes a night, 66 games, and he played well. He was 95th in category leagues, 117th in points leagues, averaging 26 points. He was able to make some big improvements. Now, last season, he played 31 minutes a night and didn't crack the top 150. So how was he able to improve? Well, very, very simply, the shots just went in. And they went in at an insane rate. And that gives me a level of reproducibility concern. That's that's the worry here, is can this be done again for Miles Bridges? Because last year, he shot 49% from two. This year, he shot 60, including a whopping 62% over the final 33 games of the season and 41% from three. Remember, his best season prior to that had been 33% shooting. His true shooting went from 52 to 63. That is an astonishing increase. Steals and blocks, about the same. Assists, about the same. Rebounds, about the same. Usage, actually lower. It's just that efficiency went absolutely through the roof. Free throws went from 81 to 86. That's a big, big jump. He became a massive, from went from a massive negative to a huge, you know, to a, a real useful player, ne- actual neutral EPM, which is um, well above average. His Raptor was pretty good, 0.3, plus 0.3, positive number. LeBron didn't like him as much, negative 1.18. But he took some big steps forward. I, I do worry, you know, he shot, he went from 54 at the rim to 68% at the rim. He went from 33 from three to 40 from three. He went from 81 at the line to 87. So we've got you know, big, big improvements right across the board. One thing I was impressed was is his shot selection change. He didn't take as many shots at the rim. Sorry, try again. He didn't take as many mid-range shots. Now that's good because he only shot him at 29%. But he cut that out of his game. It was finishing at the rim, which he, which he is good at. 68% is a very high number. I think 60% is, is an okay realistic target for him. 68 is high. And I'm not sure that we buy 40% three-point shooting on what did he? How many threes did he actually take for the year? Almost 300. It's not a bad volume, but it's not the number that makes us think this is exactly where he sits now. Because the year before he took 300 threes and hit you know, 20 fewer. 
And that, that's all the difference is, is over the court between a 30% three-point, 33% three-point shooter or a 40% three-point shooter, it's 20 made threes for the year. That's the difference, right? So we, we have to think that, you know, he has a couple of off nights and that number can go go down very easy. All right, so that, that's where we have to have a level of caution with Bridges. But, you know, he is a guy that, you would imagine, or I would imagine, is in a backup role again next year. And then eventually, he's 23. When he gets to age 25, if, if he sticks around, he will just slide in and take over Haywood's role. I could also see Haywood moving into a Joe Ingles, sixth man, I handle the ball in the second unit role. Very, very... I know they're paying him a lot of money, but playing 30 minutes in that second unit, there could easily become a spot where Bridges does exceed Haywood's production. Because hey, and Haywood's 31. He gets to 33, he just might not have it anymore. That's a possibility. And that switch might come. But do the Hornets persist with Bridges here? He played 29 minutes a game. Does he get that level of a role? You would hope so behind Bridges and Haywood that he just gets every one of those backup minutes there. And that's enough to have him get value. Real steal at 129 in drafts. I wouldn't be reaching into the top 100 for him just because I have some concerns over that shooting maintaining. And I think you should have some of those concerns there as well. Guys, if you are the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. And with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com locked. Indeed.com locked. Offered valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk about the next guy, Devontae Graham. Yeah, real, real disappointment from Devontae this season. Um, he was a big surprise last year for sure. He only played 55 games, he averaged just 30 minutes a night. He got 27.5 fantasy points, 101st, 117th in category, despite an ADP of 88. I was a little bit hesitant of him being drafted around that area just because we didn't know what LaMelo would do. I didn't think that he'd be as bad as he was. He still hit over three threes a game, but that field goal percentage is horrible. 38% shooting is terrible. So he ended up averaging 15, 3, and 5.5 and with 0.9 steals on 38 and 84. He still hit 37% of his threes. Unfortunately, he hit 38% of his twos. He finished at 40% at the rim, and that was a consistent thing last year, 44%. Just could not get to the rim and cannot finish at the rim. He's free throw as well. Terrible rebounder. Pretty good passer. Defensively, not great. But interestingly, because of his ability to space, his EPM was sky high. Plus 2.4. Last year it was 1.8. He led the team in Raptor at 2.4. He led the team in LeBron at 0.73. So for all of the shit that he gets for missing so many shots, and I gave him plenty of shit because he just couldn't hit anything. Like, that's really terrible shooting. Somehow, 
he was able to be a massively positive influence. He doesn't take any mid-rangers really at all. A ton of threes and hit them at a pretty good pretty good rate. Um yeah, somehow able to, and despite not being a good defender, being a very efficient, um, very efficient offensive player is very, very intriguing. I wonder what that means for him. You'd think that his value does dip just because he lost that job to Ball, and I'm not sure how well those two guys can play together long-term, but the advanced numbers are super interesting. He does need to finish at the rim better. I'm not sure that he ever does. But those advanced numbers are absolutely, truly surprising. If you punt field goals for Devontae Graham in a category league, of course, he ends up being the 81st ranked player. If he starts to finish at the rim at even a below average 25th percentile type rate, yeah, his value increases again, maybe top 75. Last season, he was the 58th ranked player. He played five fewer minutes per game. That's going to be the concern with Lamelo around. The assist dropped by two and a half a game, almost. Um, and he's just his overall usage fell from 24 to 21. But in terms of production for the team, he was pretty solid. He was better than last year. His role is really curious. It might be, he might be a bit of a buy low. Now, he is 26, so that dynasty value is hurt there. But I would just watch to see if people are selling off based on last year. I think there is some level of hope that he can be a useful enough player. Probably not back to top 60, but a player that can be better than he was this season. I think there is some hope for that. Cody Zeller. 206th ranked player for category leagues. He played 48 games, 21 minutes. Averaged 22 Yahoo points. That's 169th. Averaged 56 or shot 56% from the field. Averaged 9 and 7. 0.4 blocks is horrendous. 71 from the line's all right. Um, Zeller is not 29 yet. He's a few months away from turning 29, which I think shocks a lot of people. He's just a solid player. 0.2 EPM is all right. True shooting of 60 is pretty good. 63% at the rim. 71 from the line. Very good offensive rebounder. Yeah, even for centers, he's a pretty strong offensive rebounder. Block rate's all right, but not great. Always does well in advance. Yeah, Raptor, he was third on this team in Raptor. Second on this team in LeBron. Always seems to be useful there. And I think he's the perfect guy to come in and will have on this team as a 20-minute-a-night center. I don't think he's ever going to be a useful fantasy player, but he can be a pretty good uh, real-life uh, option. Malik Monk. There are plenty of Malik Monk truthers out there. I get them dropping comments on videos and tweeting at me, um, yeah, talking about how, how good he can be, why won't they just let him cook, he's awesome, because he's one of those guys that he has a good game, and you get excited. Oh, shit, Malik Monk had 30, he hit seven triples, let's go. But again, like so many of those players, that when he has a bad one, you're all real quiet. It's all, let's shut up shop there. Now, to be fair to Monk, again, he had injury concerns. And advanced stat-wise, he was much better this year than he's been at any point in his career. But that's still a negative 47th percentile EPM. Now, last year, he was 7th percentile. The year before that, 23rd percentile. His rookie year, 7th percentile. So he's been like actually dreadful for his whole career. 
Stepped it up this year. True shooting got to 57, so it's above league average. Doesn't finish well at the rim. Well, didn't finish well at the rim this year, but hit his threes at 40%. And a guy that came in as a reputation as a shooter, it's the first year he's hit over 34%, but he hit him at a good rate. His playmaking's all right, but I wouldn't want to entrust much to him. He's 23. He played 21 minutes a night. He averaged, what, 18 fantasy points, 262nd in category, 244th in, in points leagues. He can hit threes. If he gets a role where he plays a lot of minutes, then that's all well and good. But to me, he stinks a little bit of down waiters, where you have these big games and you get pumped to see it, and then it just goes missing a lot and has too many issues in other areas to entrust him to a big role. I don't have faith in him ever, ever being a top 100 player. Jalen McDaniels was forced into a larger role when Bridges was out with COVID and Haywood was out. He ended up playing 19 minutes a game in his 47 games. He's 23 years of age as well. Just 15 fantasy points. Barely cracked the top 300 for both formats. He averaged 7 points, 0.6 deals, 0.4 blocks, 4 boards, 47 and 70, 33% shooting. He had some moments, but in the end, he was just overtasked. Like he wasn't in a position to be what the Hornets needed him to be. Advanced numbers were rough. He did finish at the rim pretty well, but hasn't quite got the shooting down pat. Is not a playmaker of any sort of note. Defensively, he's okay without being sensational. But offensively, there's a, there's a long way to go. And his advanced numbers, uh, LeBron and, and Raptor, were pretty rough. And his EPM was pretty rough as well. I don't think there are, again, with Bridges, Haywood, Washington, all ahead there, McDaniels is going to be a bit part player for quite a long time if he ever gets anything more than that. Bismarck Biombo, not really sure where he goes. He's 29, but I'm not sure he's a real 29. I think that there's uh, he doesn't play like a 29-year-old injuries. Um, I think he's you've got to view him as more of a 30, 31-year-old, I think, in terms of um, production. 66 games played, 20 minutes a game. 16 Yahoo points, 280th. He was outside the top 300 for category leagues. Not sure the Hornets will be you know, rushing to bring him back. Um. Yeah, absolutely horrendous advanced stats. Has not been in the top half of EPM since his first stint in Charlotte in 2015. Great offensive rebounder, very good shot blocker, but it doesn't translate to any sorts of on good uh, good on-court production. The worst player on this team, according to LeBron. Um, and yeah, pretty low in the other advanced metrics. The one block is nice, and we know we can stream him for that and field goal percentage when his minutes have to be pushed up, but there's just so many other holes in his game that it's not worth considering him to do too much more than that. Brady Wanamaker, 61 games, 17 minutes. He was much worse this year than what he was last year, and he's 32. So you have to worry and go, well, okay, well, maybe he's just he's just not good anymore. He did improve when he got to Charlotte, but the numbers were pretty poor. Doesn't finish at the rim well. Hit 19% of his threes. He hit 41% as a rookie in Boston. And again, he's 31. Hits his free throws well. So there is room for him to improve there, but not a guy you want to rely upon. And the, the, the guys from here for Hornets, not much to talk about, to be honest. Cody Martin. And Kayla Martin, they did get some. Um, they did get some increased um, value this season. We saw them, especially down the stretch, and it seems to happen a lot with these guys. Is you know, guys get injured, they jump in, and they do okay. But you know what? What are they as players? Twelve fantasy points. They average remarkably similar numbers. Twelve point two seven for Cody. Average sixteen points per game. Cody averaged four points, three rebounds, 1.7 assists, and 0.7 steals. Um, yeah, he's an okay defensive presence out there, but I think the offense is just too big of a hole to try and overcome. 
And the same, this, well, Caleb's offense is a little bit better. I just don't really see it for him. He's 26 years of age already, Cody Martin, or about to turn 26. Same as Caleb, obviously. Shot 44%, but nothing more than a at absolute best case scenario, Kenrich Williams, I think. Caleb's a little bit different. He is more of a scorer, but average basically exactly the same fantasy points, 15 minutes a game. Um, his advanced numbers told you or tell us that his defense was actually much better this year, but offensively did struggle from th- through some bad shooting. 47% true shooting is horrendous. Doesn't pass particularly well. Steal rate is good, and both these guys can be good at steals, but overall, I think Cody's a better player than Caleb, but they're not guys that we want to pay attention to. I was interested in Grant Riller in the draft. He went really late, and then knee injuries bothered him all year, and he did nothing to... Um, we didn't get any opportunities, really, to provide anything for this team. Played four minutes a game in seven games, so didn't even crack 30 minutes for the year. Average under four fantasy points. I don't know what we can gain from looking at what he was able to do. He just wasn't out there. I think that, yeah, he, look, he is 24, so that is a bit of a concern in terms of age. I would like to see him yeah, get a bigger opportunity, maybe if Monk goes into a bench guard role. But, you know, my faith in him at this point is not particularly high. But he did have some great college numbers that translated really well for fantasy. So just don't completely give up on Rilla. I'll give him one more year to see what he can do. Vernon Carey, another guy who's quite a good permanent player. And he's only 20. So he's the second youngest player in this team behind Lamello. But outside of a couple of games, I thought was relatively disappointing. Um, I didn't love him being picked where he was picked. Because again, I just don't think he's a good real-life NBA player, but he is a guy that can put up stats. He averaged 2.5 points at 1.5 rebounds and 50% shooting with 82 from the line. They're not bad numbers. His advanced stuff is is pretty rough, though. Um, although LeBron, he wasn't bad. He was sort of sitting at negative 0.84. That's not a bad number. And his Raptor was at negative 3.1. Again, not bad. I think that you could... Could you have him as a third stringer behind center, Zeller, and then Carey? Do I prefer him over Nick Richards? Like, obviously, absolutely. But, yeah, top 200, maybe best case scenario. Nate Darling, I don't think there's anything to say about him. And then Nick Richards, as I said, I, again, barely played, shouldn't have played, probably shouldn't be back next season. Not a lot, I don't think, to get interested in with Nick Richards. Now, let's answer some questions you guys had about this team. Nurkic Circus, can I draft Lamella with my second round pick next year and still be considered sane? I think it's, you're almost taking him at ceiling, so I probably wouldn't want to do that. But there is a lot still to um, water to go under the bridge to decide that. I, I don't think that's going to be the right move yet. Josh, whose name is written upside down, do you think Miles Bridges has the potential to be the second best player on the Hornets in the next three to four years? Well, you're, yeah, Hayward's aging out there. Lamello's your number one. Rogier probably drops off. And it comes down to Washington and Bridges. So, yeah. He has the potential. They're probably going to be too good to get a high lottery pick. Now, that could change if they jump up this year. But yeah, I think there is a possibility of that. Marco says, is there any chance that the Hornets going after Lonzo to pair the brothers together? I would say no chance of that. Are they going to move Graham, Rogier, or Haywood? Daniel Purchase says. Graham's a restricted free agent. They, they may move on from him in a side and trade. Rogier and Haywood cannot see that happening at all. And Vegeta says, which free agent would be the perfect addition to the Hornets this offseason? You know the answer to that. Say it along with me. It is Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes would be absolutely perfect, I think, for this team. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget, 
to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up, ring the notification bell, leave your comments down below, share it with your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.